We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Diggs. Touchdown. What has the opening four weeks of the NFL season done to change the values of players in the fantasy football landscape with a particular look here? at dynasty that's what we're talking about today on rotoviz overtime we're gonna be looking at sean's ranks up on rotoviz.com as well as projecting forward to what may change in his next update some of the players that we'll be talking about on today's show and answering some listener questions as well as well as sean a trade that i did before nfl week four we'll be seeing how maybe that shapes up maybe negatively for me maybe positively for me we'll see how we dive into that in a moment but we are into our third show of nfl week five preview i guess we'll call it we are recording this one on thursday the 5th of october i'm looking forward to week five sean the opening four weeks have been fun in ways challenging in ways enjoyable in ways disappointing in ways it has kind of given us all the one thing that it has given us more so than probably this time last season is teams are putting up more points offenses are doing some better things so there is that positive but then how that affects players we have invested and drafted heavily over the course of the offseason that reflects in different ways based on who's scoring those points so how are you feeling as we're approaching nfl week five here everything feels very jekyll and hyde because i feel like the teams and i from that perspective, I mean the dynasty teams, both in redraft and in dynasty, are looking good. They're pretty loaded. They have some of the right guys. They're in good position. In main events, have a good mix of guys like Christian McCaffrey and Devin Achan, which, I mean, those are two pretty crucial pieces to have from a redraft perspective. The decision to spend extremely high, basically, you know, 850 ish of the fab budget in week one for puka has turned out extremely well column the teams i have with you are looking good our dynasty team which has been one of the focal points for the dynasty reanimators is three and one it did lose last week took its first loss still tied for first place in victory points love what we have going on there the moves that we made in the offseason to i mean that trade of Kirk Cousins and a third for Matthew Stafford and uh, Sam Howell that we've discussed on several occasions. That trade is looking good with Howell having the huge bounce back week four I, to do what he did against the Eagles after the meltdown against Buffalo. That's one of the biggest comeback performances from a young player that I feel like I've ever seen. Some Love that. Obviously spectacular throws in that game as well. I know we talked about yeah. the, the week two performance where he did look good and there was some fantastic throws, but you know some of the plays in, in week four there were incredibly impressive so hoping for more of that in week five here yeah i think it's going to still be a mix and it's a little bit tricky because if they had won this game and gotten to three and one then that really solidifies him because you have the massive upset and you've put your team you put the commanders in a great position to make the playoffs you can't quite finish it but and you know there are going to be some other games where he throws some picks where he takes some sacks but I'm excited about it. I hope that Ron Rivera is willing to stick with it and develop it. But the other part of that, that was sort of the nothing-ish version of it, or just what seemed like a, a low 
maybe a, a decent floor but low ceiling move. I mean, Matthew Stafford's look great. So that part of it looks really good. But, Colin, when I think about the first month of this season, I feel like there have been more big hits than usual for the early going, especially when you consider you know, how aggressively against ADP some of our picks always are. I also feel like there have been more huge busts or just really disappointing developments than usual. So, and we've talked about it before. It's been one of the themes, the high highs, the low lows, but I mean, to have it does feel like that. Well, it does feel also... like it's extremes on both ends. There's not much where you're just like, oh, okay, that's just moving along, you know, at an average pace. It's like, it's either something's heading up to the moon or something's all the way down to the floor. Yeah, and we've talked about some of the positives. Obviously, George Pickens and Jahan Dotson are not necessarily doing anything close to what we need. Although Dotson does come through and make the key catch at the end of the game, you hope that that leads him to the next step because he has been the missing man in that commander's offense. They need him to develop. So we have a couple of the young priority wide receivers aren't hitting this offseason theme that we worked through. And I really feel like the evidence was behind, but... I mean, you do see the risk of taking the late quarterbacks, which we've talked about. Connor O'Driscoll had a fantastic article on it. We always talk about the QB window and why the QB window exists. There are risks and there are low ceilings for the guys who go late. I really believe that the season was set up for breakouts for some of the late pieces. And yet, even if you were to tell me that Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter were going to not fulfill that i would have still been stunned to see like just how bad they have been and so from that perspective disappointments obviously attached to those offenses we don't have necessarily a ton of exposure to the falcons other pieces but when I mean, you have still exposure to kyle pitts from the past you know you want drake london to take the next step even if your exposure is just minimal you want Bijan Robinson to be able to fully show what he can do and Colin for him to be as amazing as he's been when that offense is like that. I mean, that's a tribute to him. So a lot of positives, a lot of negatives, the early running backs as well. These sort of dead zone running backs that we were selecting from has also been just such extremes because you look at, again, our team that we have sort of built the, reanimators series around one that we picked up as an orphan this offseason the big move that we made during the rookie draft was to select or to trade for kenneth walker that has hit in a huge way he's one of the guys our previous episode was best ball resurrection over there at underdog walker's adp has really jumped we've got deandre swift on this team he's someone that we were really promoting his value has really jumped. I mentioned already, A-Chan is somebody who is a focal point of the zero RB candidate countdown. His ADP has really jumped. But the flip side of that is that you look at our main event team and Javante Williams, Ramondre Stevenson, those are two guys that I felt. And again, the evidence suggested that these guys were about to take off and be players who would be in the mix to be either one, two picks or say the 206, 207, 208 in 2024 redraft. They have hit really, I mean, not just floor results, but for those guys to be relatively healthy now, one of the big problems we had here is Javante Williams goes out early in week four in a game where he probably would have put up a pretty big number. And yet for them to be where they are, I, I think it's just absolutely shocking. So again, you look at those running back groups, the high highs, the low lows. Column, you made a trade for Ramondre Stevenson last week. That's going to be our jumping off point for looking at this idea of how dynasty values are moving. What was the trade? What was the thought behind it? How do you feel a weekend? Uh, hopefully it's going to get better. <laughs> uh, this was one that I made um, pre, actually on the, the Sunday, before the Sunday games, uh, maybe two hours before the games, in a league where I do not have a huge amount of resources at the running back position and um, so i i felt like it was an opportunity to buy low on stevenson the hope was and the hope still is that that he works himself into a role they've 
had a, a tough sled so far both on offense and as a run game in general both him and Ezekiel Elliott but you know when you mentioned those names and Brees Hall can be thrown in there as well the three of those guys when we were drafting they were the three that I think I may have been the absolute most confident in in that zone and as you mentioned it isn't working out so far it, it may not work out at all but it, it may start to turn around you made a good point on on stadium bananas this week where you mentioned about justin fields you know at this point of the season last year was you know in a really bad spot and things turned around and he ended up being one of the best qbs in fantasy for the the remainder of the season so we will see some of these things change as we move forward here but the trade that i made was Ramondre stevenson and a second which i know we talk about this and where these seconds will be these picks are likely going to be mid to late in both cases here so stevenson in the second for marvin mims and the third we were talking about this a little bit sean before we started recording coming out off that draft season i i've mem- like laporta you know i've mems across a, a huge variety of uh, my dynasty roster so he was somebody that i have in a lot of spots this is a roster where there's quite a bit of depth at the receiver position and i didn't want to give up mems but that was the the counter offer that came back to me and then i was able to add the pick swap in after that so i was pretty happy with what we were doing at that particular point trying to maybe differentiate a little bit on the side of mims from having him on on so many rosters in case the the broncos offense doesn't improve and they don't can you know start to work him in here but long term the the future is very strong there for him but i still really do believe in, in stevenson's talent i do also have a lot of concerns but i i felt like what the valuations of, of both these players and the pick swap it made it worth it so i'm feeling pretty good long term about this i think it makes my roster much stronger for this season and i think then moving out of the wide receiver and moving into the running back position which i tend to try not to do but to be able to get that pick swap as well i, I thought that you know it kind of insulated me a bit for next season's rookie draft as well one of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending live events. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress and trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats and that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and use the code rotoviz for $20 off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code rotoviz for $20 off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no. But angel hair pasta, 
Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. Oh, that's an interesting trade. I'm guessing that the what turned out to be a false alarm, not that it was a good week for the Patriots running backs, but a false alarm in the almost mind-boggling report that Ezekiel Elliott might get starter snaps. I'm guessing that came out after your trade. Yeah, that came out, uh, I would say, 10 to 15 minutes after the trade. <laughs> You're like, yep, feeling good, feeling good, really glad that that was, was like that. That, that, uh, that, you know, meme where there's the little dog sitting in the room with the fire all around him, you know, this is fine. That was kind of what I felt like for a few moments. Right, right. Well, I'm looking at my rankings. And so the project for today and this evening will be updated Dynasty rankings. Yesterday, obviously, the project was Zero RB Universe article there and stevenson the running back nine round 12 from the update a couple weeks back marvin mims wide receiver 28 at the 603 and so from that perspective your trade would look great because you got additional pick value on top of that and really in a pretty meaningful area where the r2 should be quite a bit more valuable than the r3 at least has that possibility but in those intervening weeks we did get more evidence that mims is an eventual star whereas ramondre stevenson has struggled and so in today's update you are going to have stevenson falling dramatically and and one of the things that we look at here that is kind of interesting i broke it down in the zero rb universe piece broke down all the different chunks of it the rushing expected points the receiving expected points total dp Fantasy points over expected from rush and receive total fantasy points over expected looking at 2022, looking at 2023 and discussing the fact that in 2019 and 2021, right. And 2021, especially important, more recent is the first year there with Mac Jones. The Patriots finished number two in total points to the running back position. Now it's a mild committee there, but you're looking at number two overall. You have the season last year where everything kind of falls apart for this Patriots offense. They go in a different direction. They bring in Bill O'Brien. What's happened in the first month this season is that the Patriots running game has dropped a couple of points in volume. So 1.9 there, and then almost four points per game in efficiency you put those together, obviously you're wrapping out almost six points a game to the running backs. That's definitely not what they were looking forward to after they make that move. One of the problems is that you can fix the offensive coordinator position at least to an extent, but if you actively downgrade your receivers at the same time, <laughs> then you're going to have some issues with that. The other problem, obviously, is that Ramondre Stevenson has not played nearly as well He's one of a couple of backs who went over three yards per carry in both 2021 and 2022. He has that 17% evasion rate last year. He's very good at the mix of broken tackles, forcing missed tackles. He's very good in the passing game. One of the things that I think is interesting when you work through the entire analysis is that you can see that part of what's happened so far is structural to where the offense has given back some value big picture. But the other thing that's kind of interesting, because I don't think that it's the accepted narrative right now, but Damian Harris was much better a year ago as the compliment than Ezekiel Elliott has been this season. And yet Damian Harris played at a level that lost him work Whereas in this season, Stevenson is at risk of losing some work to Elliott. The other thing that we have to look at there is that the peripherals in both years really favored Stevenson. And so the only way that Stevenson isn't a really good bounce back selection right now, the only way in which he wouldn't be a great buy low, both for you and this trade that you've just executed and for dynasty managers in general, whether we're talking redraft or we're talking dynasty, would be if some of these trends that appear fluky 
really continue. So in order for Stevenson to be this bad, he would need to have a couple more games where he makes some serious mistakes and you need more performances from Elliott where he looks okay. One of the things that I note here is that with Gus Edwards finally breaking through, Elliott is the only back with at least 25 carries in the entire NFL that Sports Info Solutions has credited with zero broken tackles and zero forced missed tackles in the running game. Now, you may disagree with that. You know, you may feel like he's broken some tackles or forced some missed tackles that he hasn't gotten credit for. But either way, it's not something where Elliott is actually having some type of late career resurgence. My feeling is that the Patriots, while they have some problems and Bill Belichick's personnel decisions have been really, really bad, right, over the past several years. And you can look at this and say the decision to add Elliott and to move Pierre Strong gave you a sense of just how poorly the Patriots understand the current you know, NFL landscape, right, and what's necessary, what's helpful in an offense. Anytime that the decision maker and the head coach, in this case, one and the same with Bill Belichick, anytime that they're making decisions like letting Jacoby Myers go and bringing Juju Smith-Schuster on, you know that there's risk of the best players not playing and the wrong people being blamed. But for Stevenson not to be a bounce back here, you would have to be selling his first two years in the NFL where he looked very good. You'd have to be selling the fact that his peripherals right now are actually still decent. He's got a 10% force miss tackle rate. And you should be focusing almost exclusively on yards per carry. Now, yards per carry is meaningful. People who ignore that entirely are looking at it from the wrong perspective. But everything that we're seeing with Stevenson suggests a bounce back for him. And everything that we've seen so far with the Patriots, even up to and including playing a couple of games in the rain, and playing almost exclusively against elite defenses. Maybe the one game where the defense is not elite, it's, it's a tricky script in the game against the Dolphins. We're set up with a, a great bounce back, and yet the reason why we have bounce back and a buy low is that you see what's happening with this team and you get scared, right? I mean, how are you feeling having made this trade? Do you, do you feel this terror or do you feel like the evidence is on my side? It's a combination of both. You know, I went into this with eyes fully opened, and you mentioned there, like, is this sticky? Is this a case that Stevenson played two years and looked really good, and he's fallen off two years in? That's usually not as quick as it would happen in a situation like this. But you did mention about the game script, for example, in the one game that finished pretty close against the Dolphins, where conditions may have been good, but you know, they're seventeen three down at halftime. You know, they get they get they get fourteen points in that fourth quarter so they're playing from behind in a lot of these games even the eagles game sean where they get back into it quick they're 16 to 0 down in the first quarter to 16 14 at halftime but they faced the eagles the jets and the cowboys defense and for example against the cowboys last week was 30 at three the game against the jets the conditions were really bad they kind of cruised in that it was 15 10 it hasn't really fallen into situations so we have the saints the raiders the bills back to the dolphins the commanders the colts the Giants, the Chargers, the Steelers coming up here. None of those really, maybe the Steelers could potentially go into that, but that's you know getting into December, could rival some of those defenses. I think the run should be, we're, we're going to find out in these next six weeks, but I have a combination of all those different <laughs> feelings. But the thing is, that was why I wanted the pick swap, was to kind of give me that little bit of a insurance policy on it. So I think there's every chance that the, Patriots are just not going to be an efficient offense and they're being run pretty poorly at the moment as you hinted at there with a few things they've kind of downgraded the positions each and every time rather than made the team better I'm sure when they're making those moves they feel like they're going to make the team better but I do have concerns with how they have played they've looked very disjointed as a whole but I, I still I still believe in the, the talent that Stevenson has and you know three years and I'm I'm kind of counting on that bounce back and it does feel like you know this is a true buy low based on where we were you know four weeks ago heading into week one where we were in august through draft season where we are now he he feels like a situation where things have just gone wrong for those four weeks and they're the ones where if you're still believing in the talent that the bounce back can happen like you know i definitely don't think it's a case where he's going to lose the starting job to Zeke Elliott. 
that would be the darkest timeline. You look at these sort of three situations that we discussed preseason where Bijan Robinson going in the first round of redraft, despite having an elite backup and committee mate, we saw in week one, Algier blow up and potentially take some of the volume, take some of the scores that Robinson would need to push for, say, the 101 next year. And then in each of the subsequent three weeks, Algier's snap count has dropped as it's become so clear that the Falcons need Robinson's game-breaking ability in there on every single play they possibly can because the team is already in dire straits. You look at Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook, and this is a situation where Brees Hall hasn't played that much, and his yards before contact and his hit rate at the line of scrimmage are both extremely high because of the overall offensive context with the offensive line and the fact that you're not going to have any respect for Zach Wilson as the QB. And yet in that environment, the contrast between Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook has been so significant that the Jets have kind of gone out of their way to publicize the fact <laughs> that they're going to use Brees Hall more as we get a little bit deeper into the season here. In this third one with Ramondre Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott, really the example that you would expect to have the biggest gap between the two backs because in both of those other cases Tyler Algier pretty good player Dalvin Cook probably still pretty good player Ezekiel Elliott has been performing poorly and has demonstrated signs of being washed up for three consecutive years I mean it's just a long time removed from when he was a legitimate back to hand the football to at the NFL level it's pretty shocking that this would be the one that looks like it's causing the most problems right now but in exactly the way that you said and the way that we've witnessed with some of these other offenses i guess i don't think that will be the case going forward and one of the things that's kind of strange is that again so much of this actually does come back to efficiency because stevenson right now is averaging more carries per game in 2023 than he was he in 2022 and so a lot of what we just need to happen is for him to make plays and for them to also get him the ball successfully in the passing game and for him to make plays. I don't think that Elliott part is a problem. Stevenson has to do his part of it. The offense has to become more effective. So again, I guess I'm not worried about Ezekiel Elliott. I want to see Stevenson do what we've witnessed in the past and what we're looking for at the prices that we both paid previously and the prices that we're considering going forward. You think about him as an interesting pick in underdog best ball rec resurrection you think about him as an interesting buy low in dynasty now bjorn and i received an interesting trade with stevenson in it as well where the offer was stevenson and david and joku for sam laporta and that's a great example i think of structuring a trade in a way that makes sense for the person who's offering because you give them the tight end back that is usually pretty important. Now, in this case, it's actually similar to the team that you and I have, where you and I are looking really good on our dynasty roster because we made a big emphasis of making sure that we had the tight end position set for tight end and then for also the flex and then also potential trade value. Where our we've, team played, has, we've played three tight ends a number of these early weeks of the season so far. We have. We have. And you could even go with the fourth if you had a QB injuries and wanted to put one in the super flex spot. But right now, I mean, Sam Laporta, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, all those guys playable and Pat Fryermuth, maybe the tight end one going into the season is currently injured and he hasn't performed that well. That's one of the reasons why you want to have that tight end depth. If you're counting on the one guy, even if he seems like a riser and we thought the Pat Fryermuth could be the next TJ Hawkinson. And yet even believing that we didn't, stand pat at the position and say well that's the only way we're going to address it you want to have the depth there so bjorn and i are in a similar situation where we actually probably don't need a tight end back but it makes sense for the opposing manager to offer that you offer stevenson who is still a name who does have an interesting buy low profile and you try and get sam laporta i mean if we hadn't been like crazy sam laporta fans before these first four weeks we might even consider it right if we just drafted him and we didn't expect him to do anything maybe then you're trying to cash out Sean is that what you're saying exactly but we did expect him to do something he has done it there's a possibility that I don't know how serious I'd end one 
Tight end one in Sean's dynasty rankings. Tight end one in the dynasty rankings. I, there's, I mean, he's going to compete with guys like Mark Andrews and TJ Hawkinson and Travis Kelsey. We won't forget Travis Kelsey, even though his start to the season has been less than certainly what people would have expected. I mean, Sam Laporta is going to compete to be the overall tight end one in redraft unless Kelsey goes on one of these scorched earth runs, which he probably will. So, but you look at it from that perspective, Laporta obviously in the mix for you there. So we're not going to make that trade in part because we attach even more value to tight end for the long term and for being a position that if you have a guy and no one else does, it really differentiates your dynasty roster. But I think that trade offer made sense. I think that's kind of the types of thing that you're thinking about. And if it were someone even just slightly less valuable than Laporta, I think that would be an interesting trade. It'll be one I'll chat with Bjorn. We'll look and see if there's a counter we can make. And maybe there isn't because obviously other people are valuing Laporta at pretty high levels right now as well. Moving in now, Sean, to a question that came in from JD, and it's looking about perpetual reloading. And we talked uh, on a couple of shows, Sean, about how some teams in both redraft and in dynasty could be absolutely loaded, but based on how the season has started, how injuries have happened, how maybe offenses are running, they could have had a tough start to the season. This here question did come in just shortly before week three or week four, sorry, but it is a team that at that point was 0-3. So hopefully they won in week four, but maybe it did go to uh, you know 0-4, maybe it's 1-3. But he has mentioned here, I'm unfortunately 0-3 to start the year with the most points scored against. So that can be a part of it as well. I was actually looking in my home league this week, uh, you know, after the results update, and one of the teams that is second last and is 1-3 has scored the most points in the entire uh, league but they just have had you know that unfortunate part where the teams they've gone against in those weeks have have let it up so he said he decided to finally pull the trigger on moving aj brown for garrett wilson so that is one that he has done uh, end season here he said the deal ended up being aj brown elijah moore jerome ford and jalen warren for garrett wilson and zay flowers so he says his roster now and this is a quarterback is and this is a super flex format lamar jackson sam howell jacoby Brissett, trey lance jared stead and matt corral running back is two of the players sean you were talking about there and Bijan robinson and Brees hall but devon a chain sean tucker then we get ty chandler and keaton mitchell so one of the one names that sean has been kind of slipping in there for the last week or so and keaton mitchell wide receiver garrett wilson Devontae smith say flowers jordan addison jameson williams jahan dotson Traylon Burks, marvin mims demario douglas and trey palmer and then a tight end it is Kyle Pitts, Sam Laporta, Greg Dulcich, Chicken Conco, and Cole Turner. So he's thinking about using some of his tight end and wide receiver depth uh, next year after the 2024 draft to consolidate and bring in some more talent. He said he would love to know what we think or if we have any suggestions. He doesn't mention the actual picks that he will have in that 2024 draft. So that affects it a lot in terms of when you're trying to have a team that is perpetually reloading to have those draft picks to have that capital moving forward to be able to replenish the team and also to be able to make future moves but Sean this is a team looking at it where there is depth and a lot of positions obviously the there's two quarterbacks here in my opinion with Jackson and Howell then after that the depth is is very limited and is likely to be unusable outside of an injury to Howell which then Jacoby Brissett would would come in but the running backs pretty loaded there wide receivers in good shape tight end is in very good shape as well but the concern here would be i think you could potentially move into making too many moves when it might not even be needed at this point with a team like this you may be in a situation where you just need to hold firm because we're looking at this team and there's really no players that are beyond kind of three years in the league outside of lamar jackson and you know kyle pitts is one of the veterans on this particular roster so it is really stacked up but the other angle that i wanted to look at this team from sean was some of the players that will be moving up in your rank and so even though this team has had a tough start to the season it is gaining in value so players like a, a devon a chan i think i said a, i'm trying to work that in to say a chan each time and marvin mims for example they have both definitely increased in value but there's some players in this then that may have slightly decreased but this looks like a team that is ascending in value based on pre-week one to this point 
there wouldn't be a huge amount of of moves that I'm I'm actually recommending for this team to to do. What what are you looking at when you see this roster? You can always keep moving some of the guys who are at risk of losing a lot of value. And Jahan Dotson, I think, has lost a lot of value since the beginning of the season. If he doesn't turn it around, he probably can still lose a lot more. And so that's a good that's a good question though, in terms of a Dotson. Are you thinking that it's better to like cash out in a situation like that? Or like based on where he was in the preseason to now, he's dropped significantly. But there's also the chance of that rebound significantly moving forward before next off season, or even when it gets to a case where we're into, you know, February, March, April next year, I think people will still probably look at what he did as a rookie and potentially the value kind of comes up a little bit again before the start of next season. Would you be thinking about moving out completely on those players or, or staying with them for the bounce back? You have to have a good explanation for why there was an issue. And so someone like Traylon Burks, who has a poor rookie season, there is a clear explanation for that. Watching week four and how, I don't say dynamic, but competent they were without him really you know, rings a lot of alarm bells on that one. And so... I mean, Burke's value has really collapsed. And with Dotson, you're looking at some similar elements because the rookie draft slot is going to mostly carry you through that first year. And so when you look at where he was drafted and you look at some of the peripherals that Blair referenced in his research, the Potential for a big breakout season was definitely there, and it was priced appropriately, at least in the first two thirds of the offseason, to where it was a smart play, and not all smart plays are going to work out. And so you don't want to sort of retroactively then say, okay, well, this was a bad process move simply because it didn't work. But you do have to then reevaluate where you are currently which is to say that Dotson was overdrafted based on what we know of collegiate profiles. And a lot of the value that he brought as a rookie was based on touchdowns. And so if you then go into a second stretch of play where a receiver is not actually drawing targets and you put that together with him being overdrafted in reality now you're into this mix where there are a lot of red flags that even if he does retain some of the value this next off season you have to have concerns about getting stuck with him yourself kind of getting pulled back in yourself but then also you know what that upside really is if he's more just a guy and he does remain a viable starter for the commanders but doesn't really move the needle in fantasy then you would have wanted to get out of it at this point so just saying that he's someone who is a possible sell doesn't mean you know make it a fire sale it doesn't mean don't look for interesting options you're trying to figure out how you can move him in a way that still actually reflects most of the preseason value now you're gonna have to be creative in how you go about doing that and you're gonna have to probably target a different type of buy low that maybe has more built-in track record i mean like a Ramondre Stevens we just talked about you want to figure out that type of play i think you wouldn't just sell him but you would be open to it you know we're not going to just ignore what's happened over the first four weeks so that'd be kind of how i'm looking at that i also think that you can move lamar jackson i've mentioned that in the past i think that if you have another big sam howell believer in your league there's nothing to say that you have to have sam howell everywhere or that every time sam howell has a good game because those are going to happen that you're like, okay, well, now I've got to sit on him again. I can't ever make a move. If you bought Howell really low, which most of our listeners did, and you've realized now a lot of growth in the value, and you can trade him for another interesting QB plus some other lottery tickets, then again, you're figuring out ways to manage your portfolio and neutralize some of the risk while creating additional pathways. So when we think about perpetual reloading, 
We're looking at as many paths to success as possible. This team looks really, really good, right? Because it has good receiver depth. It has three running backs who I believe might be like three of the top six running backs in all of Dynasty, and they're all on this roster. You've got Laporta along with both Pitts and Dulcich. I would expect one of those two guys to pan out and have more value for you in the future. Colin, then we look at this trade, and I think we do need to focus on the trade because it's such a, a beautiful move here. Because this team is not targeting 2023, although it's really cool because post-trade, it still has a great chance because two of the kind of key pieces here, Jerome Ford, Jalen Warren, are not necessary for this team when you have those three star running backs, but they definitely have value. So to be able to move A.J. Brown and get Garrett Wilson, where I think a lot of people are going to have Brown ahead of him right now, certainly for sort of full season 2023, but then, I mean, Brown is maybe the best wide receiver in all of football. So even though you're in the situation with the Eagles that maybe limits the volume a little bit, I mean, A.J. Brown is a guy who could be, you know, even a first round pick in terms of startup value, a threat to be the 111, the 112, someone in that range. But you're getting Garrett Wilson. He's going to be the guy for the even slightly longer term. But also get Zay Flowers. And Zay Flowers, I don't think, has been any sort of revelation. Got a comment on a YouTube video this week, Sean, that we were uh, full-blowing Zay Flowers haters. (laughs) Which I find astonishing. (laughs) I mean, I guess if you're going to compare Zay Flowers to Josh Downs, some people are going to think that that's too high on downs too low on flowers i think it might be the first uh slightly uh, no not extremely positive thing that we had said on on flowers uh ever well i I'm, I'm gonna stick up for the commenter and say that i think that flowers might be a little overvalued and yet he's clearly the guy with the baltimore ravens even if their offense doesn't work, I mean, it's not completely his fault. I mean, if he's like, if I'm going to be targeted around the line of scrimmage, that's where I'm targeted. I'm going to draw these targets. So to get that extra piece there, this is a beautiful trade. This looks like a great team. Yeah, you try and move around a little bit to, to get that third QB because right now there would be some risk if anything happens to Lamar Jackson, happens to Sam Howell. Now, this team has Jacoby Brissett, but from a fantasy perspective, does that really do it for you? I mean, you're going to need a format that is very favorable to quarterbacks to actually want to play Brissett over just some of the other players that you have on this team when you're thinking about that super flex position. But, I mean, this roster looks like a team that, if nothing else, starting in 2024, should rip off you know three, four titles in the next seven, eight years. Yeah, the, the tough part about this is when we mentioned it feels like it's ready to contend now but just sometimes things don't work out as much as we would uh, hope and that's why opening those multiple paths to victory is vitally important sean the last question before we wrap up here in terms of the dynasty rankings is there going to be a bigger right i know we talked in the last series of dynasty rankings like so puka obviously launched dramatically up them but is there going to be anyone that's a bigger riser than devon a chain a chan still working on it in this series no i mean his rise is i mean it's just rocket fuel fueled is it it hard to is it is he a player that you're finding hard to limit as high as he can go in this set of rankings yeah i mean when you see what he can do in that offense one of the things colin that i was going to mention is that maybe the best move that we've made so far would be that trade for Kenneth Walker, his jump in the best ball resurrection drafts reflects a real belief, not only that he is good, but he's going to hold off Charbonnet. He's going to continue to score touchdowns. I would not have him as high as HN. I don't think that I would prefer him in redraft. And certainly if you could move off of Walker and get a back like HN, but also get some additional pieces. I'd really like to do that. And I think that there's justifiably still a little bit of skepticism about a back who's only played a couple of real NFL games here. And there's going to still be some skepticism about the Miami Dolphins offense. Anytime that you were as dynamic as they have been, then there's this question. It was one that played out 
in the two thirds sort of mark last season. And then you've got the Tua injury potential, all of those things. Like as soon as teams figure out what the dolphins are doing, you're going to have this constriction of the overall fantasy pie. And suddenly you've got to evaluate these players on their own terms. And as if they were on more normal NFL teams, I guess I feel very strongly that number one, you've got to chase talent and you at the running back position, you have to chase speed and number two, you want to get as much exposure as you can to offenses that are explosive, but specifically play callers and head coaches who are innovative. And so anytime that you're going to give me that, I'm going to take it. I, people aren't going to give you that on HN though, without paying the price. You're going to have to pay up to get him over the next couple of weeks. So in the last version, Kenneth Walker was RB7. So are we saying that HN's a top five rb here moving forward well colin which backs would you have ahead of him i think that Bijan robinson very straightforward i think that still having jonathan taylor ahead of him is fairly straightforward having christian mccaffrey ahead of him we consider what the realistic timelines are for really any running backs so you think i mean mccaffrey is older but one of the things i've discussed in the monday article this week is how his trajectory mirrors Marshall Falk so well. I think you have to have Christian McCaffrey ahead of him. And probably a lot of listeners are like, well, yeah, I mean, those are all pretty obvious. But who else would you have ahead of HN? Because the other types of options, Brees Hall has so many environmental factors that are a problem. That one is tricky. Jameer Gibbs, I think, is still going to have himself a fantastic career. But it's already a problem what David Montgomery is doing. And you have just such a limited period of time to really count on running backs for the way that offense is working. That's an issue. ETN probably going to break out and have some monster games. But when the offense looks bad for him and when you have a decent backup, that's always an issue. Saquon Barkley, I think, is closer to being done than he is to being a star. There are a limited number of names who could realistically go ahead of Devon HN. I agree 100%. I think we're like Bijan Robinson and Christian McCaffrey, and you could add then after that Jonathan Taylor. But, you know, with Brees, with Jamar Gibbs, they have those environmental issues that you mentioned. And in terms of there isn't much better places for an electric running back to be running than that Miami Dolphins offense. Um, I think like you know you have those first kind of three names and I think then that people will have them in different orders but having them as high as as four or five I think is is fair based on what we've seen because I don't know I I in terms of a running back that came in that wasn't extremely expensive that we've started four weeks and we're in this position I think if we're you know drafting today he's he's at least in that third round of if not higher of redraft as well so uh yeah i think i think fourth or fifth is probably where i'm putting them at the moment so we'll see if we can add him i, I thought sean i was being bold when we had this conversation before your last rankings and i said that you know i thought that uh sam laporta should be you know probably tight end two, maybe just you know in that range and, and then sean outdone me i thought i was being really bold with that take and then he's tight end one in the rankings. So let's see if that forces Sean's hand. <laughs> be John Robinson and then HN. Sean, that's the way it should be. I like it. I like it. Would you have, would you prefer right now? Because this is always the controversial point with the Superflex rankings, with the drafts, with the trades. If you have your pick of Sam Laporta, Devon HN, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, those four guys, what order do you take them in? Uh, I, I think I'm going to go with uh, oh, this, the quarterbacks are hard to split, but I, I'm going to still go with, um, so I think I'll take Sam Laporte out of those guys first. And then I think I would go Chan, Chan, And then I think it's Richardson and Stroud. Stroud has impressed me so much, but I just think the Russian of Richardson is that added value. But I would take both non-quarterbacks first in that situation. 
That's gutsy call. I love it. In the previous update, since you've been just a couple what, what's of your, weeks, what's your call? I mean, I had Stroud all the way up to the two hundred one after the first two weeks, and he's been on fire since then. I mean, I think that right now you could actually make an argument that C.J. Stroud belongs ahead of Trevor Lawrence, belongs ahead of Joe Burrow, belongs ahead of Justin Herbert. I say make an argument. You're not actually going to win the argument, but you when you consider it. what Joe Burrow has done and what the Bengals have done in the first month of the season, and you think of the injuries, you think of the injuries with T. Higgins, you think about even their potential problems re-signing him, and then you think about what Stroud has done in the first month with, I mean, we've got to give Nico Collins credit. I specifically do. I have not been high on him. He's looked fantastic. But this is not a situation where C.J. Stroud is out there throwing to pro bowlers either. He's been that good. He's in a weak division. You've got the situation there where weather is going to be less of an impact in those games than in the AFC North, especially down the stretch. Maybe that's too controversial and ignores too much built in production. That we think back, one of the things we've been talking about with Ramondre Stevenson is that he's been really good the last couple of years. I think sometimes with the quarterbacks, we feel like they've got more insulation and that Burrow's reality performance as the QB is more meaningful than the reality performance for a running back on a team that has just been so-so. But, I mean, if we're going to be thinking about Stevenson as a collapsed player, you've got to think through some of those same things for a player like Joe Burrow, even though, again, we know that the QB longevity and the value that Burrow's going to bring, I'm not saying those two players are similar at all, but in terms of the things that are happening to them and how we would move them around in comparison to young guys who are rising, I think you have to at least consider that. CJ Stroud, again, Curtis and Dave were all over this. We had him ranked really high in the road of his rookie guide. I feel great about that for all of our subscribers and specifically the rookie guide purchasers and yet i'm, I'm still blown away by it. he's looked absolutely fantastic yeah he's, he's looked great so that is going to get it a bit of a fun conversation there finishing it up with some of the differences around it it does feel sean that you know taking the non-quarterbacks might be a little bit bold but we'll uh we'll see what maybe we get some of the, the listeners getting in touch to let us know what they think but hopefully you've enjoyed today's show it is the third show of the week sean mentioned earlier that we did do one of the underdog fantasy baseball drafts that are ongoing at the moment the resurrection format check that out it was the wednesday edition we did talk about a huge amount of players from a rest of season perspective for who we would like based on who we drafted on that roster my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over to Martin. my co-host as always is sean siegel check out sean's work up on rotaviz.com and until we are back have a good one thank you for listening to overtime and rotoviz radio please rate and review the rotoviz radio podcast on itunes or your favorite podcast app you can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com follow us on twitter at rotoviz radio and remember you can always support the pod by subscribing to rotoviz with a discount through the rotoviz radio homepage rotoviz.com forward slash podcast <laughs>